Art Next Door, prepared by Tuche Eren. Art Next Door features the independent art scene in Neukölln and Berlin. Free community-based art, socially engaged artistic practice, artist-led project spaces, collectives, emerging and young artists. News and interviews will be broadcast in Art Next Door on Keith FM. This is the eighth episode of Art Next Door, which is a bi-weekly program at Keith FM and podcast series at Anchor FM. In this episode, I'm happy to welcome Kreuzberg Pavilion and their co-directors and special dramaturgs Heiko Freund and Lisa Susanna Shore. In the second part of this episode, I featured the project space of which I am part, top transdisciplinary project space in Neukölln. I interviewed Mindagos Gapsevich, who is currently the co-chair of the association. I joined the top transdisciplinary project space in January 2017, and I have been collaborating with our collective members, as well as external partners, artists and scientists for various events and exhibitions. I have a specific interest in collectives, initiatives and project spaces in general, but I did not have any specific idea to start doing this interview series until Yulia from Keith FM asked me to contribute to their online radio. So that's how Art Next Door radio show and podcast project started in mid-July 2020. I had to share this disclaimer though, of course, I had the idea of featuring Top at some point. So this episode coincides with my upcoming project at Top, Scarecrow, a collaboration with my partner Korhan Eral. So this episode is very personal. Before the interview with Korhan Eral, let me briefly introduce Top. Top brings together artists, architects, scientists, curators and activists in a unique space for curiosity, creativity, education and transdisciplinary research. We accommodate different projects and smaller initiatives such as Commons Lab, as well as a DIY bio lab, which allows us to provide a space for workshops and citizen science projects. Let's hear more information about the association and the project space history from Mika. Thanks, Tuche, for inviting me to this podcast. It's an honor to tell something, uh, so you will have some content and your audience will also have uh, some maybe interesting story, maybe different story, because I think that uh, our project space is uh, different from the other spaces. So yeah, my name is uh, Mindogas Gapshavichus and I'm an artist uh, teaching at the Bauhaus University of Weimar. Uh, but I started this uh, project uh, not, not alone, let's say. Uh, I started it uh, being in uh, association already, uh, as a representative of the association, top uh, association. I was thinking of the need for us uh, to have something else. So this need was uh, a project space, perhaps the place where we could uh, meet all together and uh, keep our association kind of uh, uh, active because before it was not so active or it was like more random. So one day I got a phone call from, uh, from Kim uh, and she said, uh, well, Axel Reinhardt uh, is uh, looking for partners, partner organizations. 
And she said, uh, perhaps we could be partners or maybe we could do one of the event here at the space at that time, Shila Pale. And I said, yeah, of course, so let's go for it. I have plenty of ideas how to run spaces, so we will not be in trouble, you know, financial trouble or so. So I confirmed immediately with the first evening. I got uh, the phone call and we started building up the space. Uh, so, of course, first of all, we had to meet uh, Axel, Reinhardt, uh, and then we had to discuss uh, our visions uh, and come to the point of uh, collaborative framework. And I uh, introduced my idea, kind of idea, which was in between uh, uh, project space, gallery space, working space and uh, laboratory. Uh, and uh, Axel was uh, happy to hear the idea and uh, we started uh, our collaboration. So kind of the very first meeting uh, with uh, other top members, Axel became member of top immediately. So kind of uh, we started to build the space uh, more as a top initiative uh, and uh, less Shilapale uh, initiative. And uh, so far, we are already like uh, perhaps five years behind. Uh, and uh, yeah, so now I'm really, really happy how it is uh, evolving and what we have uh, succeeded in doing. So we have a laboratory, we have a project space, we have a presentation space, we have a wood workshop, we even have uh, like a real factory where mushrooms are being grown, you know. So I'm really, really happy how it uh, evolved. And in this uh, small space, we have so many collaborative uh, ideas uh, uh, happening and so many really, really interesting things uh, being shaped. I mean, in terms of uh, conceptual thinking, in terms of uh, activities, in terms of uh, community itself community became very, very important. So let's say within this community we have uh, 15 people, plus minus, uh, who is from different field, coming from different field. So we are kind of uh, artists, uh, curators, architects, uh, makers, let's say, many, many different uh, uh, people. Scientists, yeah, scientists is very, very important. So we have uh, different scientists here as well. So imagine having uh, such a community which is really diverse, how many interesting things could happen. And uh, these things are happening here. So I'm really, really happy with uh, what is happening here. Around. Thanks for you, Tucha, uh, for being so initiative here as well. And also I want to thank other people who uh, contribute with their ideas, with their work. Association exists since 2002. Can we also talk a little bit the history of the Top FL? You're one of the co-founder, co-founding members, right? Top FL exists since 2002 officially, but it started a little bit earlier. I was always nearby, let's say, but I was not co-founder, uh, co-founding member. Uh, it was uh, very complex. We have been working already with people who co-founded the association. 
uh, we have been working online. At that time when we have started to work, uh, I was still in uh, Lithuania, or when I moved to uh, Kiel and then uh, Lübeck, and people who uh, founded uh, the association were coming in most cases from uh, Kassel, and we were building uh, a sort of Kasseler Schule, or maybe it was related a little bit to Kasseler Schule, so it was a little bit conceptualized uh, differently from uh, Leipziger Schule. And it had a kind of a background of uh, this interdisciplinary moment, transdisciplinary moment. Uh, people were uh, working uh, with uh, new media arts or like uh, considering from philosophical, theoretical position also quite a bit about uh, new media. So many things uh, which were happening at that very moment were uh, linked in most cases with uh, uh, things happening online. So imagine around 2000, there were uh, kind of initiatives, network initiatives, or net art kind of initiatives, or spam uh, art initiative. Uh, and these uh, things were happening also around the top of our at that time. So I haven't been uh, a co-founding member, but I was uh, nearby collaborating always uh, with these people. Of course, I was always nearby. So the content which was uh, built uh, about around the association was, uh, of course, also a little bit different. Uh, in most cases, I was just contributing uh, with different content, but not necessarily initiating uh, uh, the theoretical, conceptual or visual part at that time, right? But uh, things started to happen, uh, to change uh, when I moved to Berlin. They rented out uh, another space uh, in uh, Schwedenstrasse, I think. Uh, it's also in Wedding or Gesundbunenviertel. And we started doing exhibitions or events over there, uh, also linked to kind of uh, new media or digital media at that time. So it was roughly around 2006, 7, 8. And we have uh, initiated uh, many interesting projects, but at that, yeah, at some point, uh, uh, we decided to quit the space because we were lacking uh, uh, more people who would uh, contribute uh, with content or uh, organization, different positions, of course. So we quit the space and. Uh, uh, some years later, we thought, yeah, they need, they need something else, you know, because association doesn't function well if you don't have regularly, a regular place to meet or have meetings or do projects. And then we started to collaborate with uh, uh, OKK, also here in uh, Wedding, not here, but in Wedding, Gesundbrunnen, uh, yeah, Prinzenallee. And we have been uh, working with them or collaborating with them a couple of years, maybe two, three, four years, uh, bringing in content and uh, having meetings, discussing different things. So the association was uh, in between, uh, let's say, virtual and in between uh, physical. Mm -hmm. And uh, at this moment, I think we are more physical as virtual. But uh, yeah, it's very important uh, kind of position, especially during uh, the COVID times, you know, pandemic times, uh, 
and being able to kind of uh, uh, merge in this virtual physical reality, being able to approach from different perspectives. So I guess therefore we didn't have uh, uh, much uh, difficulties to run the space even if a pandemic came because yeah we were always uh, flexible enough in order to uh, adapt let's say to the uh, situation. Interesting because I think the adaptation to online events was overwhelming as well not necessarily as a space but as an individual I think I have been struggling and then eventually um, addicted <laughs> to online events than physical events personally so it's an interesting situation because short after the serious lockdown I was initiating two projects at top and it was very stressful and I was I was hoping that actually I would rather not to do it but I wanted to do it as well so yeah thanks for doing it but uh, you know People have been changing in between, so we were, uh, in most cases, uh, kind of online community at the very beginning, but at some point with this space we became more like social, like uh, really local uh, community, and of course we have forgotten already the things we have been doing before, and uh, people have changed at the, in the association, so uh, different shape, but... Uh, yeah, uh, we could have been doing uh, better, perhaps, you know. So now we are sitting inside Top FL's project space, but half of the space is also dedicated to Top Lab, which is a DIY bio laboratory. So, and then it started as a kitchen lab project. So, would you like to talk a little bit more about this lab project? Uh, yeah, of course, I'm uh, really honored to. to to be able to talk about that. Uh, I think it's a very uh, important uh, project or part of the association because uh, it is unique. It is unique in Berlin and uh, there are not so many uh, initiatives being able to combine, let's say, science, arts, uh, curatorial work, architecture and uh, to have the tools for doing it. Uh, because usually uh, in the universities, uh, people don't, uh, people outside the university, they don't have the uh, possibility to use the tools available at the university. So just imagine laminar flow hood, uh, microscopes, uh, autoclaves, uh, incubators, etc., etc. So many different tools. And uh, also uh, thinking of uh, uh, regions, you always need to have many, many different regions in order to uh, do something with living matter or with experimentation. So, yeah, they are a very exceptional uh, space here in Berlin uh, because we are not only maker space, uh, we are not only uh, DIY biospace, we are not only uh, citizen science space, we are much more because we are also considering uh, uh, the ideas uh, uh, theoretically. So it's all about post-humanism, it's all about, uh, you know, uh, our issues which are being discussed in philosophy or theory. So we are kind of uh, 
building up things upon uh, a theoretical background or known uh, uh, theoretical background. Or maybe I would say not building upon, maybe in parallel, because uh, aesthetics uh, is never being uh, made upon. It could be, but uh, aesthetics uh, are always in parallel. Certain ideas are being developed uh, visually, certain ideas are being developed uh, philosophically, let's say. So we are a very unique space because uh, of the artistic position or theoretical position. Uh, you also contribute to that uh, position being a kind of theoretician or curator. You do uh, reading groups uh, and other things uh, which are important in order to be able to develop something, uh, you know, uh, with matter, with biology, with, uh, with things. Uh, Usually people don't work, right? So we are here, the exceptional space, and uh, we are always uh, doing something with all that kind of uh, infrastructure. But is there anything that you want to mention? Yeah, I think uh, it is very important to uh, discuss uh, ideas, what we develop here. But uh, I'm not the only one, of course, uh, person who uh, develops here something, but uh, having infrastructure is not the most important uh, part. Uh, the most important part is uh, still people, right, who come with their ideas and they want to realize their own ideas. So, for example, uh, Flavia and Alessandro, they are having a series of workshops around uh, mycelia. We uh, do workshops uh, Uh, two tracks, perhaps uh, one is like more design focused and another is more like growing uh, mycelia focused and it's very interesting uh, to start talking about these uh, projects, these ideas because uh, mycelia or fun fungi is not only fungi because uh, it is edible or it is looking nice it is linked to many many ideas being developed in, in the air Uh, conceptually, because uh, uh, mycelia, you know, or fungi could be used in in extracting, uh, let's say, heavy metals from soil, right? So if you have workshops, you talk also about these ideas being in the air and think of uh, ecology first of all, or being uh, uh, able to change uh, kind of or to help. Uh, Uh, the universe, or at least Earth. So this is very important uh, contribution, theoretical contribution to the practical part. So making something uh, design looking like from mycelia is not necessarily only nice. It uh, hides uh, many, many uh, interesting points which are important for contemporary times uh, to discuss uh, what is happening. And uh, also very important to mention, perhaps uh, uh, one track of the workshops uh, uh, continued. And now we have uh, built also in our basement uh, a real factory for, uh, for growing uh, uh, mushrooms, you know. They are not only talking, we are doing, and we are doing with our people, and we are uh, kind of... Uh, not doing uh, business from that position. We are just trying to uh, give people knowledge uh, about uh, what is happening and what is possible to 
to do with this kind of matter which is uh, really really sophisticated life right so what is the life about so it is very very interesting uh, uh, to use the matter and to consider reconsider all this uh, the idea of life let's say so it's not about uh, human centric or egocentric world it's also about uh, other forms of life which are existing or thriving in next to us let's say so this uh, kind of togetherness is very very important uh, uh, for us for our practice and for people who work here i guess thank you so much for your time and joining the conversation of Nendus uh, art next door podcast series thank you mika thank you for listening <laughs> yeah happy to talk about these things to the uh, audiences This is the eighth episode of Arts Next Door, and then we are talking about TOP, Transistor Project Space. First, we heard the history of TOP FAO from Mindo Gaskapsovic, and now we are talking to Korhan Eral, who will be presenting their upcoming solo sound installation at TOP, starting on the 5th of November. So we are here to get to know Korhan Eral and the project Scarecrow. Hi, my name is Korhan Eral. I'm a musician, electronic musician, an improviser, a composer of some sorts, and also an occasional sound artist. So besides your music career, actually in this interview, I would like to focus on your art collaboration and artistic practice. Since yes. 2013, you have been uh, presenting your uh, art projects Um, in various group exhibitions mm-hmm. and this is the first time that you will have a solo presentation yes can you talk about the little bit the history and then then the scarecrow project well my first uh work that was outside music performance and composition was um a, a, an audiovisual work actually called The Turkish name for it was Evimin Erki, and the English translation is Man of My House, or Man of the House. Um, and it involved uh, actually the remixing of a speech by the Turkish president Tayyip Erdogan that he had made many years ago, like five years before I actually created this piece, which coincided with the, well, which happened right after the Gezi protests. And the exhibition was planned regardless. I mean, this the exhibition was already planned and the Gezi was a surprise event, a big one. So it had to be postponed. And I had another idea at the time. I actually don't even remember what idea I had. That the exhibition was called Hacked Me in Intimacy. And um, so I suddenly remembered this video that I made with a very cheap camera directly off a TV screen of a speech by chance. And then the info bar of the, the network that I was watching it on had, uh, 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 they failed to change it, change it to the actual program. So it said it displayed the show for the name of a Turkish show called Man of the House. And I thought that was hilarious. So I just videotaped it and then, then I used it for this work. So that was a start. The second one was by invitation, um, to this exhibition called Waves in Istanbul. And it was a new media show of some sorts. 
not everything in it was new media, and I don't know what new media means anyway. Um, I, I'm always skeptical towards that notion, that this terminology. Anyway, so I was asked to contribute, and I did some actually quite clean-cut gallery piece, which was not new media at all. It was basically a, an analyst's or a doctor's analysis of recordings from urban and suburban areas in various cities where the, the observer, the analyst, kept a notebook and like of spectrograms, like these visual representations of sound where they made these markings on these spectrograms saying like this is the sound of an insect, this is the sound of a tram, this is the sound of a child. So this was, a, and there was, there was also a video with the sound of these spectrograms. And the third one was again actually at an exhibition that evolved around the idea of hacking and was called Hacktivate Yourself. Again, a group show, uh, mainly performative works. Mine was the only one that didn't really involve any performance, like one of the two that didn't. And there I did, I actually focused on the, the first Hackers Manifesto that was released in the, in the 80s. And then I did a sound piece around that text. And now this is the fourth one called Scarecrow. And um, I sometime during last year in 2019, I suddenly had this image of a scarecrow in my mind. And I don't really get these images because I'm not a particularly visual person. I'm more of an oral, a more sound person, obviously. Um, but then I kind of like kept this in mind. I even took a few notes in time as it reappeared, the image. And then it evolved into this sound insertion idea of actually building a, an, a scarecrow and giving it, like put it, put it in a sonic setting and also giving it a sound where the head of the scarecrow is actually a, one of those horn speakers that is pre frequently used for public announcements in stadiums or in like small towns. But the scarecrow is also dealing with uh, the notion of border politics, but also ownership, protecting land, protecting or staying away from the other, right? So it has also some connotations. Of course. I mean, the, the, the final idea that I had and that led to this understanding was actually what if, I mean, initially it was what if states erected scarecrows on their borders to fend off immigrants or anyone who was, was trying to, let's say, trespass or settle in. And this, of course, was probably linked to the recent uh, flow of refugees from the Middle East and um, Southeast Asia. Uh, I, mean, not, like, I don't know where that is, like Afghanistan, Pakistan, those areas. I don't know what that's actually physically, like politically called that area. I'm sorry for this. Uh, but then this is, of course, this was never not the first nor the last mass immigration of peoples from escaping from war or disease in the world. Like Europe had its own many times. Uh, so I just had this. But then I decided to basically turn it. I didn't want to focus on state versus people. I basically wanted to generalize it because the scarecrow itself, actually the, the main idea, it wasn't against people, obviously, but it was this object like this totem or like almost like a golem 
kind of object that was erected on fields by humans to scare away any non-human being who wanted their share of the, the crops that were grown on that field. Mainly birds and maybe also like uh, reptiles, foxes and any other uh, groundhogs, any other animal who wanted a share, who was basically hungry. Of course, animals don't have a notion of a field. For if they see food, food they want to eat it. And of course, scarecrows have been subject subjects in films, most famously probably by in, in the Wizard of Oz, where the scarecrow, a, a creature made of metal that was you know portrayed as something without a heart, but then regains a heart at the end of the film. But my scarecrow is this now. It's this object that kind of like weird looking object. It doesn't look at all like the any of the scarecrow images you might have in mind. And it could be built by anyone. It could be built by, I don't know, like even a state maybe. Or like someone. It's, it's built by someone to keep others out of this area where this scarecrow is planted. It could be anyone. It could be an immigrant. It could be a soldier. It could be whatever. It could be your neighbor. It could, you know, it could, you know, it, it could be one of these small gardens in and around Berlin where you want don't want anyone else to come into your garden. It could be a an identity-based collective that does not want anyone other than their own to approach it. It could be an, an actual country. It could be a farm. It could be a house. With, you know. Um, so yeah, that was the idea that it evolved into that. And I my I my aim was never to make it about any. I mean, yes, we are doing this in Germany, and Germany has been the topic of immigration for the past 50, 60 decades, and also recently, and it has always been a top hot issue. But this work does not have anything directly to do with Germany. It could be about Iceland. It could be about any given country. You name it, like it. Well, it could be as I said about non-countries also. Uh, how about the sounds? What kind of composition are you working on? Well, uh, the, the the final decision, which will not change, because particularly I don't have the time to change it actually, honestly. But I'm happy with it. I'm going to. I actually made some recordings in border regions because of corona restrictions. I could only travel within Germany. So, disclaimer: the the recordings were made in German towns who that bordered other towns like countries like Poland and Austria. But this work has nothing specific, as I repeat, this is because this is important. It's not that I want to clean myself on a responsibility, but it's really not about these countries. So I made some recordings there. Of course, they were the recordings are void of any immigration activity. It's just like cars or people passing over bridges or like over roads. It's just like it's actually a landscape that does not have. I mean, the absence of sounds of immigration is kind of a statement here. It's, they're not there. Of course, they were there. I wasn't there when they were there. I was oh, actually not even in Germany, but that I'm still living in my, in, in Turkey. So uh, these recordings are more, for me, they personally, they are actually sources of inspiration and actually a reason of going to those towns and seeing what's there. They're just regular towns. I mean, there wasn't anything special about those towns. Uh, but it still inspired me. Like it was mainly for my own inspiration, and I never had the illusion that I was putting myself in the shoes of those immigrants. No, no, I'm. I am also an immigrant, but I've gone through nothing of the ordeals they these people had to go through. So, 
it would be quite ridiculous to put myself in their shoes. I can't. But it's still like I liked I like walking in these streets. I liked you know I basically tried to imagine, tried, probably in vain, but I tried. And so these will be the backdrops, and I will also uh, give a voice to this scarecrow. As I said in the beginning, like I, it will have its head will be a a speaker, and this speaker will utter strange phrases from invented languages or morphed languages. So there won't be any intelligible words, but it will be, it will sound like human language, but it won't be anything that can be uh, recognizable or intelligible. And the point here is. There are two points. First, again, I didn't want to use a specific language because any language implies a geography, a culture, and a people. So if you use English, you would imply English-speaking country. If you had used German, blah, you know, like it's Italian, Italian. So I could have, I should have, I, I, it, it, I should have either used all languages or none. And the second. And the more important thing, the first one is more of a technical political issue. The second one is a more realistic issue. I mean, most of these people come from countries where European languages are not spoken. I mean, yes, some of them probably knew those languages, but not all of them. Most were not. Most of them didn't speak Hungarian, or Czech, or German, or English, or Italian. So, if a scare, if if as a as a Pakistani refugee or an immigrant. If I was, if I arrived at a border and saw this weird scarecrow, and it was saying something to me, I would probably not understand it. So that was the idea. It's a very simple idea, but I think it's important. And uh, I mean, in the beginning we said that I, I mean, we, 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 I mean, people. Some people know that I'm a musician mainly, but I'm an electronic musician, and my practice is mainly with recorded sound. Therefore. Uh, I mean, the sound art I make is actually kind of an extended extension of my music in a way. I mean, I don't compose it as music, but then a lot of my, especially solo performances, comprise of actual recordings, and they have, they almost always have themes. And I also actually play a lot in uh, exhibitions and art spaces, museums, biennials, and exhibitions by other artists. And I have also collaborated with visual artists in the past. So, um, like, this is, the Scarecrow is basically a, maybe even a kind of a, a PA, like a sound system in a way also, in a, in a different, if you look at it in a, from a different perspective, which I use to present a tape piece but then it really has a strong uh, discursive element and a, th- and a theme and a narrative and is not developed to function necessarily as a piece of music once we are actually talking about your practice as a musician uh, which also has a lot to do with visual arts because you are collaborating with artists who are working with uh, either with video or different visual elements such as in the Liz you actually had your premiere at the Liz was also very performative yes it was a concert but it has a lot of 
visual elements together with your collaborators in the group as well as yeah. your collaboration in Nervous Entanglement, yeah. which is actually audiovisual. I mean, both of these projects, I wouldn't call them concerts. They're not bigger, better, or, but it's just like because there's so much visual elements. Uh, I mean, The Liz is more like, a, a, I think, kind of a musical theater thing which was never meant to be musical. We just developed it because we wanted to do something and we don't want to give it a name or a genre. I don't like labels anyway. Uh, not because my what I do is amazing and it transcends labels. It's just labels are stupid. Simple. And with Nervous Entanglement, with Malte Himmlich, we are also like, Malte is, does places, objects, he uses overhead projects. It's, it's a multi, they're both multimedia performances and they always have a storyline. And, for example, a nervous entanglement could, with the small tweaks, could very well f uh, function as a sound installation, or, or like an installation. It could, I mean, yes, we actually hope to do this in the future as an installation. We hope to do it, I mean, we were supposed to do it in Istanbul as an installation slash performance, but then this uns whose name shall not be uttered came into our lives and destroyed all hopes and things so the scarecrow the, the a bigger scarecrow came and changed everything will there be any parallel event alongside the exhibition the exhibition is opening on the 5th of november yes. until the 15th yes. of november we will of course not have a particular event for the opening because of this uh, virus the the unspeakable virus uh, whose name shall not be uttered and which is maybe a, 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 also a scarecrow nowadays because it actually functions much better than my scarecrow a lot of people can't go to places anymore so it it is more affection maybe i should have just built a, built a huge statue of this virus and call it the scarecrow scare corona um yes and then on the 7th uh, november 7th uh, I have invited two amazing voice and performance artists, Uta Vasaman and Alessandra Eramo, who have also their own immigration stories in their families or personal stories. And they will uh, perform pieces. And they may or may not utilize the scarecrow as a sound object. We don't know that yet. I've actually gave them a carte blanche. So I didn't commission them anything. They are free to do whatever they want because I, I think their presence and their art and their performances will already add a lot to this first. I mean, they were chosen, of course, consciously. And on November 15th, uh, Agatha Lisiak and Susanne Schoenberg. Agatha Lisiak is an academic and Susanne Schoenberg is an, uh, mainly an artist, um, but also an academic. They will uh, do a, a roundtable discussion led by you, and uh, discuss about their, you know, areas of expertise and their, uh, their approach to these issues. Uh, and that, will, that panel discussion will mark also the last day of the exhibition. Thank you so much for giving the information about your upcoming exhibition. Sure. Of course, this, this exhibition was made possible by the generous... Uh, grant provided by the Berlin Senate's Culture in Europe program. So many thanks to them. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you.
Art Next Door. Prepared by Tucha Eray. Art Next Door is a bi-weekly radio show on Keith FM.